Q&A Quest, the show where we answer your questions, respond to your complaints, or just read your rants and, I don't know, respond to them in some manner. Make an occasional dumb joke. Yes. Uh, with me is the interim CEO of Q&A Quest, Dave Mc- David McBurney. <laughs> I will take all of your shares. <laughs> and... This week we have a special guest, RP Gamer's man in Japan, Michael Baker. Hello. And as it so happens, we have the perfect question for you, uh, which was sent in by Bobby Watson, uh, who I know is a longtime reader of RP Gamer. His question is... I've recently acquired a Japanese 3DS, and outside of Dragon Quest VII, my copy is on the way. Are there any other Japanese exclusives that are worth picking up? And the answer is yes. Of course. Yes. It turns I, out I a lot of Japanese developers just make things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so which one do we want to start with? Well, how about we start with something that actually had a, a first game or a second game in America? Like, um, like Slime Mori Mori Dragon Quest. Sure, that's a good one to start with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That one hurts. <laughs> have Have you gotten to play that it's, at all? Uh, no. I keep I keep thinking I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, but I'm just gonna wait for the price to drop a little bit more, and I just haven't yet. Yeah. On, on the plus side, it's it would probably be very easy to import because those games do not have a, a high language barrier at all. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I I played the fan translation of the the first one for Game Boy Advance, and it seemed like I didn't even need a translation to play it at all. Really, uh, you didn't. Yeah, it's got about the same. It has almost the exact same lead-in as Rocket Slime did. Yep. And aside from some really corny puns, there's really nothing else lost in translation. Yeah, and a lot of those puns are visual anyway, too. Like you got the exactly. uh, Rocket Slime had a lot of funny tanks. And whatnot. Yeah. Although, you know, missing out something like the Tutenschleimen <laughs> is a shame. Actually, some the names that they gave the tanks in Rocket Slime were one of the best examples I can think of of improvement through localization. <laughs> Just because Jap- the Japanese language does not always have the most variety in its grammatical constructions, and English is nothing but insane variety. Yeah. <laughs> So to a fault. <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually enjoyed the English translation of Rocket Slime quite a bit, just for the, the ridiculousness. So it is kind of a shame that the third game in the series with all the pirate ships yeah. never got because oh. it, that was just more opportunity for insanity. Oh my God! So I mean, many, so many missed pirate puns. Oh, uh. n- not just that, but some of, of the big demon bosses in that game. Yeah. I mean, no. this is a game. Where you, you fight de- demonic versions of the Statue of Liberty, the Sphinx of Giza, <laughs> and, and a Russian Matryoshka doll that's like ten stories tall. Oh, man. <laughs> How many times have Japanese games had me fight the Statue of Liberty? This seems to keep happening. What, it's happened to you before? Yes. <laughs> Which game? I'm trying to remember, because I remember I've, I mean, it's happened more than once. I, seeing, I remember... I mean, uh, I, I've had to fight the face of Mars before, but I've never actually fought the Statue of Liberty. Uh, I remember that Kid Dracula, I'm pretty sure, has you fight the Statue of Liberty at least at one point. But that game's full of just surreal bosses as well. Mm. And here I figured it would be something like one of the, the um, 
well, it was a Ten Guy Macchio series. Like oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Four. I think there's one that's in America too. Yeah, that's that's the fourth one. You can ask Jooms about it. He he really he loved that one for its sheer incomprehensibility. Yeah, he actually uh, back when I was still doing Q and A, sent me like a long, uh, detailed explanation of some of the weird stuff that was in that game. I'm kind of sad. I don't think anyone's ever tried to translate any of the Ten Guy Macchio games, but that's getting kind of far afield of the question. Uh, not Namida did. But okay, so yeah, well, back to Dragon Quest. Besides, besides the Rocket Slime game, you got the Dragon Quest Monsters games. How many of them have not been translated into English yet? Uh, uh, any of the 3DS ones have not yeah. been translated. Um, so what, jo- did Joker come over? Yeah, we got uh, Joker. Joker's 1 and 2 came over, although yeah. not Joker 2 Professional. Okay, and so it's mainly the, the two remakes of the original Dragon Quest Monsters games. Yeah. Yeah. We also didn't get Caravan Heart, but that's been fan-translated. Oh, I can tell you, Caravan Heart was not really worth the effort. <laughs> yeah, that's everything, I've, that's everything I've heard about it when it finally got fan-translated was, oh, this wasn't really worthwhile, was it? <laughs> yeah, it, that was, it was interesting for what it was worth, but okay. So, And so what else from Square Enix has not been brought uh... over? Um, for th- 3DS, because if we extend this to just the regular DS, we could keep going for ages. Yeah, that yeah. thing. Uh, well, uh, obviously... Oh, Gyra Zetter. with Square Enix. What is that? I've never that's even heard the, of that one. That's the race car RPG where all of your drag racers turn into giant fighting robots on the racetrack. That what? sounds rad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, re- remember last, a- last year for April Fool's Day, I did, the, um, I did one of those clickbait articles as a joke, <laughs> When it was like why, um, why um, like how bravely default sucks and everything else we should have gotten instead, and so I need I I could only come up with four games at the time um, that were out um, to use in this, so I ended up dragging in Gyrozetter even though I had never played it, and just for five different reasons for Gyrozetter each one was it has drag racers that turn into giant fighting robots. I just repeat that five <laughs> times straight for the reason why it was better than regular default. Oh my god. Well, it needed that emphasis, because I mean, seriously. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know anything else about this game. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I just need know to know it has anything else about this game. <laughs> pretty much. It's just, it's got racing race cars that turn into giant fighting robots. Uh, speaking directly to five-year-old me. Uh, keep talking for a second, guys. I have to look this up on PlayAsia. And what were some of... I mean, a couple that came out in the last two years. Um, see, well, I guess Maple Story. The Maple Story portable games are actually pretty good. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I mean, like, I didn't know the DS right game was that. actually much better than the 3DS game, but the 3DS game was still not bad. Hmm. I mean, there, I mean, for a for an MMORPG that's infamous for extreme grindiness and fetch questing. They managed to make a pretty good first person, or uh, not first person, one single player game. Interesting. So, I guess since they no longer felt they needed to drag you along for the next 300 hours, they uh, didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the 3DS game did have a bunch of fetch questing. The DS game had one fetch quest. Wow. That's imp- and, that is impressive for any RPG. The reason for this fetch quest was that um, this one character starts off at level 25 at the start of her scenario and gets to the end of the first chapter, and because she is just a proud, prideful little snot, the goddess zaps her back down to level 1 
and drops it in the middle of a war zone between Earth's self-defense force and aliens. Wow. And all the <laughs> aliens are earned. 20 levels above her, so she can't even touch them. It's like one hit KO for her. And she still met, you still have to take her all the way through three zones of aliens, find the mothership, run back through those same three zones with the mothership trying to kill you, and then find a way to blow it up without killing anything <laughs> or taking damage. Wow. And then the explosion from this um, blasts her all the way over to Noob Island, the actual start point of the MMORPG, where she has to learn humility through the most the the simplest fetch quest in the entire MMORPG. <laughs> it's a lesson in humility. Uh, this is why and, they they have us doing this is why the quests. DS this is why the why Maple Story DS is one of my favorite games on for that system. That's amazing. That actually does um, sound why, really amazing. And why it has a, and why I gave it a better score than the 3DS one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but okay, so there's one game. Um, what's another one I played? Metal Max Four. Oh, oh no! Man. I get jealous every time no. I see like I saw, I've seen like tons of stuff about like Metal Max Two Returns on DS and like. It's a shame that that series never had any real presence in the U.S. outside of the PS2 one. Which was the one that was not actually made by the core development group, and it's I have it down as the second worst game in the series after the very first one for Nintendo. So. <laughs> it has its moments, but it's mostly just novelty, which is a shame because yeah. from what I can tell, the other ones have novelty as well as stronger actual gameplay. Yeah. I know that uh... the, uh, the first one for DS... Season of Steel wasn't that strong either. It had lots of weak points. Um, and so if I ever actually finish Metal Saga for PS2, it's been sitting in my PS2 for ages. Um, if, if I ever actually finish it, <laughs> I'm going to end up with the conclusion that if you took all the good stuff from this game and all the good stuff from its DS counterpart and put them together, you'd have a really awesome game. And that's what they did for Metal Max 3. Uh, <laughs> but for, for Metal Max 4, Metal Max 4, you have a decent core story. It's It doesn't go into a lot of detail at times, but it doesn't have to. It just has to give you a, a target to aim for. It has tons of side stuff to just expand while exploring. It has tons of little minor things that really have no purpose. I mean, like in the, this one corner of this one area, you can find a karaoke bar that's completely populated by zombies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there is no actual reason for it. I mean, there's this one minor side quest that gives you nothing except a story and a bit of EXP. But you still have this karaoke. You still have the karaoke of the Living Dead. It's it's there because it's fun for it to be there. Yeah, and and then at at a different point, um, I mean, okay, so teleporter malfunctions are something that happened in every game in the series. It's usually how you find the the revive item for the game. Mm -hmm. But Metal Max Four has an extra accidental teleporter surprise that takes you to the base of a space elevator. And, I mean, and then you can ride up the space elevator, and then you can adventure around in a in a uh, space habitat, a globular space habitat where, depending on where you are on the inside, it will change completely change the camera angle of the battles, up to and including completely upside down. <laughs> And so you have to do things like you have to rescue people from astronaut zombies. 
you have to destroy this giant mutant carrot that's threatening to wreck part of the infrastructure. I'm not joking here. It's a giant mutant carrot. Um, <laughs> you have to help them with their space bee infestation. <laughs> and, space uh, bees. Seriously, space bees. And again, this has absolutely no bearing on the actual main quest of the game. This is the kind of thing that you would find in like DLC content for any PS3 game. It's just, it's completely off to the side. It is ridiculously um, fun to play through. And it really serves no purpose except to be there. This is just making my lack of the ability to play Japanese 3DS games hurt more. <laughs> yes, yes. And I mean, and just it, the game just keeps piling on ridiculous stuff like this. <laughs> of course. More and more, and this this isn't even counting the actual game DLC, which I finally added it up. It would triple the game's price. Wow, <laughs> like that's a lot of DLC. Triple the price of the game. And this includes bonus bosses, bonus characters, bonus vehicles, bonus weapons, bonus everything. If you want more Metal Max, they got you covered. Pretty much, yes. And again, none of it is actually necessary for the game. <laughs> uh, um, and, and then earlier this year, what else did they get? Legend of Legacy. Oh, the pain continues. Which, which is actually kind of the opposite in Metal of Metal Max in many ways because it's got an incredibly minimalist story like incredibly minimalist um, as in all, almost the entire story happens through history lessons hmm. <laughs> um, so I mean you, you get a short introduction to explain why whichever main character you picked is on the island mm -hmm. and that's it for the actual character story and <laughs> everything else about the story is just learning what happened to the island in the first place that made it sink to the ocean floor like a, 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And so um, all, all over the game, um, there are these statues called the Whispering Stones. And once you have special elemental items, you can talk to these Whispering Stones and get, um, get fragments of them that let you learn magic. And the Whispering Stones themselves are the fossilized remains of the citizens of this island. <laughs> who are stuck for an eternity, just sitting there and just remembering, remembering the greatness that used to be Avalon. And exactly why it's no longer great. Gaze upon my works, you mighty in despair. Very much so, yes. It's like Ozymandias the game. That's really depressing, but sounds really cool. <laughs> I, I'm, in the review, I made a comparison to the Soul Blazer games. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. Because it's a, very, it's a very similar vibe there, where you've got an apocalypse after the fact, and most of the story is based around figuring out what the hell happened. It's kind of an interesting thing, because, like, you know, any story is usually set in the midst of like what all like what can you do to fix what's going to cause the thing that's already happened here. Yeah, pretty much. So um, it's a really really awesome story. Um, I mean, you don't need that much Japanese to play it, but if you want to get anything out of the backstory, you need to be able to read what they're saying. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope that game gets localized. Mm -hmm. There's still a chance. It's only a few months old. Yeah, and. Uh... 
on the plus side, it's got one of the better um, Saga variant battle systems I've ever, ever played. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, excellent. Excellent. I mean, it it even has special techniques for shields. Ooh. <laughs> Shield I mean, bash. stuff like like special techniques that improve block rates for, I mean, shields block attacks towards anybody. Oh. So, in almost every battle early on, you're going to have one character with a shield just to make sure that nobody else gets killed. <laughs> so, they've got shield techniques that improve coverage, improve block rate, completely deflect damage from attacks, counterattack, they've Got two counterattacks, and one one shield technique called Bulldozer Dash. That is a <laughs> hit everything on screen attack. <laughs> it's one of the better hit all attacks in the game, and it's just the, the character holding the shield up and running straight at the enemy. That <laughs> uh, would be bound to hurt. Yep. Um, any any other good ones? Um, let's see. I never played. Played X Tetra. That's the the kissing RPG from Furyu. The what? Exactly. Um, somehow the main character empowers the other characters um, with a kiss. Uh. This is one of the primary points of its storyline that I know of. That's uh. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> As I said, it's a Furyu game, but so is Legend of Legacy, and they're obviously. Furio is obviously fielding multiple development studios at this point because, um, like, uh, what, what's that one that's coming to America now? Uh, the one from Atlas? Or Via Atlas? Via yeah. Atlas, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm drawing a blank a on the name right it, now. It's a PS3 one, yeah. I remember. That one looks quite different and quite good, and it also looks completely different from X-Tetra and completely different from Legend of Legacy and completely different from Unchained Blades <laughs> and completely different from this other Fuyu game that I just learned existed a while back I can't remember its name and it's based off an anime so I don't know. Oh yeah, wasn't there a second Unchained Blades that only came out in Japan? Yes, there was. Is that supposed to be any good? I have been on chapter 6 of that game for, 15, for 12 months now. Okay. So that means no. <laughs> No. That does not sound promising. Also, the Furyu game okay, that not, Atlas... Not 12 months, 8 months. I gave up 8 months ago. But yeah. That, that but, was the uh, one that made me say in October that I was never going to get another Furyu game. Ever. <laughs> and then I saw the first the first video for Legend of Legacy, and I was like, oh, holy crap, I'm going to have to break my word here. They made <laughs> a liar out of me. Thank yes. Furyu. But yeah, Atlas's Furyu game they're localizing is Lost Dimensions. That was the one, yes. Uh, which is being brought over for PS3 and Vita. Yeah, that's that's the one where, as a plot point, every chapter one of your party is going to betray you, but it's not determined which character it's going to be. Well, that that <laughs> that gives it some replay value there. Yeah, that seems yeah. really cool. If they can make it work, they're. Track record's a bit spotty here. Okay, um, what else? At least they're trying something different. Yeah. And then, of course, Tails. You got Rev Initia, the the strat, the uh, tactical game for Tails. Yeah, I actually picked that up. It's it's not too bad, shockingly. Yeah, I I had fun with it when I played it at TGS. I just haven't picked it up yet. 
Yes. It's kind of surprised that they haven't really done much with Tales on 3DS to this point. Yeah, just yeah. Is it just this in Tales of the Abyss? Is, was there anything as far else? As I know. Yeah. Uh, um, as far as I can recall. That's surprising. But I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, they even even did most of the, most of the remakes have been for Vita. Yeah. I mean, they did uh, Atari Dungeon PSP, I guess. Uh, yeah, oh, man, that was a, that was weird because they double remade on that one, even though they had already released a remake on PSP of Tales of Fantasia. They just did it again. No, Narikiri Dungeon was a sequel to Tales of Fantasia. Yeah, so I guess they just decided why not go with both. And, and for that matter, it's, it's... I mean, it was a Game Boy Color game. <laughs> so, so when we say remake of Narikiri Dungeon, what we're saying is they just took the story and, and then they completely made a new game because <laughs> the battle system yeah. has no resemblance to the Game Boy Color game. Yeah, the Narakiri Dungeon X battle system, as far as I could tell, was much more a something on the level of something like Graces or Hearts. Whereas the Game Boy Color game was just basically a turn-based RPG where instead of having the three people on one side, they had them on the other side. So it was not even a linear... It did not have the linear system at all. Weird. Um, what else got? Final Fantasy Explorers. Any bets uh, on when that one will actually be announced for America? I thought it was. Al- I thought it already was. Was the thing. I was assuming it had already been announced for I don't America. I think so. That game. Well, that game made uh, me very sad, though. I feel like uh, that it's, one's it's inevitable, though. Monster Hunt clone for. Yeah. Have you played it at all? I played the demo at TGS, and that's when I realized it's a Monster Hunter. Yeah. I I've played. I actually played the demo a lot and was very underwhelmed and could not cancel my pre-order before it shipped. <laughs> and now he owns it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was sure this had already been announced for the U.S., but no, apparently it hasn't. Mm. Eh, give it time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It, was only, it only came out last December. Yeah, so there's still time, I and mean, you know, it seems they bring most Final Fantasy type things over. I can't really think of. Uh, I think Type Zero is the last relatively big Final Fantasy game we missed, or we eventually got They're that one anyway. They're finding a way to bring over the cell phone Type Zero to America in the guise of a Vita game. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Agito. Yeah, Agito is being brought over here as like Agito Plus, and it's just like, oh. Uh, yep, I'm just saying it's. I'm assuming it's supposed to be pronounced Ajita because that's actually the Japanese word for hideout. I, I assumed, it, like, I remember because it was like, I remember this is just hazy memories from when Type Zero was announced as Agito 13, like, 12 years ago at this point, because, like, apparently that's Latin for to set in motion. Okay, that's a different thing. Oh, okay, it probably is Agito then. Okay. Although well, it might that's... be an intentional oh. pun. Well, that's that's always possible, too. I mean, just just look at Navius. Um, oh, the, man, I don't know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> I'm still that, not sure what platform that's, that's for. I just keep seeing that's pictures a, of it. Um, that's a common Japanese mis, um, mistranscription of Mobius. Ah, that would explain why I've seen it occasionally referred to as Mobius and being like, is that the same game or not? <laughs> yeah, because, um, because like a lot of other Greek words brought into Japanese, the Japanese copied the Greek pronunciation, which is Mabius. Ah. Uh. 
And for that matter, just this morning while I was out getting lunch, I saw a di completely different product with the title Mevious, same spelling with a Mobius strip on it. <laughs> <laughs> However, this happens to be a brand of menthol cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So. Oh. Great association. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so do we have any other good... I mean, okay, so Out of the Labyrinth, never played. Yeah. EX Troopers, I did not even realize that was for 3D. Yes. Yeah, that's, um, that's some weird Lost Planet spinoff. Yeah, yeah, I think the I think uh -huh. the only reason it really got attention in the U.S. is because like it seems to be based on the dregs of the Mega Man Legends tree engine. They, okay, so we have a couple that we can just say in memoriam because Mega Man Legends three is never going to happen. King of Pirates, I have no idea what happened to that game. It's oh been... yeah, that was like the concept game that was announced alongside uh, Soul Sacrifice, and then just never happened again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, I remember I, I've been that. For this game for. Six years now. I, I can't. I can't. Ever, when was the last time I actually mentioned this thing in Japan? Demonium. Let me check here. Okay. King of Pirates. Japan. Pirates, man. I just remember seeing like one screenshot of that and thinking that might be cute when it comes out, and then it never. 2011. Oh, okay. So, four, years yeah, ago. four and a half years. It's been four and a half years with no word since then about this game. No, like, you see, KG Inafune had to go off so he could make sure that Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z happened. Uh, I mean, did they just drop it since they're for, uh, whatchamacallit? Mighty, Mighty. I, I can't even remember the name of the Kickstarter game now. Mighty Number no. 9. Thank you. Mighty Number no. 9. Yeah, possibly. I mean,. I mean, if I ever have another interview with anybody from Marvelous, I'd ask. So. Yeah, Inafune seems to have like 18 irons in the fire at any given moment, so... Well, that's weird. You know, they seem to push out two versions of Soul Sacrifice relatively quick. You wouldn't, wouldn't think that this one would change just lay around for this long. Yeah, too bad, because I need weird. one. I need pirate penguins. I yeah. think I think we all need pirate penguins. The world needs yeah, more I mean, pirate like, penguins. I saw, the, I saw the image of a swashbuckling penguin, and it was just like, I'm done. You've already <laughs> sold it to me. Always mm -hmm. let me down. Oh. With my luck, it would have come out and been Japan only anyway. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it would be even more appropriate to talk about here. Okay. That's true. Are there... Are there any other 3DS exclu um, Japan exclusive RPGs now? Uh, not Yokai Watch anymore. Nope, <laughs> that's a good point. Nope. Before, before today, that would have been on this list. As I've oh, heard. No, I, thought, I thought we'd heard rumblings that it was probably going to come over anyway. Yeah, I think well, we heard rumblings. Yeah. We heard rumblings, but I mean, today was when they officially were like, "Yeah, it's coming." Yeah, in fact, I was a little surprised because I thought they had actually already announced it already, but I guess not. Um, the, the Final Fantasy Explorers Syndrome. <laughs> what is it? Oh, little Battlers. LBX. Um, Cardboard Senki. That was with the other Level 5 oh, I've series. I've heard of that one. Oh. Yeah, that one's been on DS, 3DS, PSP, and I guess probably Vita now, too. And it's, I guess it's their last major series that they haven't brought over. What is it exactly? Yeah. Um, it, it's so you have these 
well, yeah, the cardboard part comes from the box that they come in. It's basically like little Gundam model type copy things, huh. except they can actually fly around and fight. And so you're, pl um, so you're having these massive battle royale on a diorama the size of a... <laughs> And I'm sure there's some sort of story in there, um, but at some point the series kind of devolved into a let's update this every year. Oh, no. Um, and then they made a reboot. Then they, they did a kind of strategy game reboot with Cardboard Senki Wars. Oh, I remember hearing about that. So it sounds like they're pumping those out as often as they are Inazuma 11. Um, not quite as often because they stopped pumping them out like two years ago. Did they? Okay. Um, but yeah, I, they I just did, remember like looking extra versions. Um, oh, this is the game. The first time I went to TGS, I tried playing the demo, except nobody else was in the level five booth at that time of the morning. It was like ten oh five, and <laughs> so and the, it's a cooperative combat game. And you it's a great cannot, first impression to make. <laughs> so you cannot beat. The bot, um, the mon, um, the giant, uh, what, the robot in that demo with just one person. <laughs> so later, <laughs> the next day, I just ran into these two guys from Sweden, and I shanghaied them into trying this game with me because I needed somebody to play it with. Both of you are coming over here. We're going to play cardboard, thank you. And and th so that's why I ended up doing an interview with them about this um, courtroom simulation games uh, with actually you could probably qualify it as having RPG elements it was actually a really funny game um, but yeah that was the first non-RPG I did any write-ups for that week <laughs> a bunch also the first international non-Japanese developers I interviewed I ended up interviewing people from Sweden Iran Taiwan uh, Indonesia it was like six different countries wow. that wow. in 24 hours <laughs> so not an RPG, but I'm really hoping Doug Yakuten Saibon doesn't go onto this list. Mm. Or like um, Layton versus um, what was it? Uh, Phoenix Wright? Yeah, that, that that did come out here eventually. That, like did, three years. that did come out? <laughs> yeah, it did. It cool. published by Nin was it published by Nintendo? I don't know who published it. I won't I want to say it must have been Nintendo because they control Layton in America, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, are we out of games yet? Uh, I was just going to ask, are there it any uh, like... Super Robot Wars for 3DS? There um... is UX. I've heard it's okay. Yeah, I, I'm, huh? I'm just astounded that Project Cross Zone is not on this list. <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, that's I weird. don't understand how that happened. I... Seriously, I, I reviewed that game just because, you know what, this is never going to come to America. This is never come to, going to come to America. Four months later, what the? <laughs> What's even the point of all that? <laughs> yeah. Who was even However, the publisher? I, I, I can say with satisfaction that at least my copy has voice acting. <laughs> well, voice acting in the language that it came out in anyway. They left the voice acting in in the English one I want to say it was just in Japanese uh, I thought they didn't use any of the voice acting in the, the foreign release uh, I don't remember I'm not sure I like I have I've only ever played the demo I thought there were voices in it but I don't remember <laughs> oh. 
I know it's still worth it for the not Bruce Willis character. That, that was oh, fun. yeah, the guy from Die Hard Arcade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that also has the character's resonance of fate in it, which is like the only reason I bought it. Yeah. It also know, has Sanger like Sonvold, that. which is appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I found the, uh, oh, what was it? Um, pairing the guy from Dead Rising with the zombie girl from, uh, from Vampire Savior was an interesting combination. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could not stop laughing at any time I used That's one of these special loops that I air. Yeah. It was just, it was just having those that was together amazing. along with the guy from Die Hard Arcade. And it was just, I lost count of the number of random items, including a kitchen sink, that got thrown around in that battle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do we have any other questions or... How long have we been talking here? Uh, quite a bit. Probably like half an hour. Yeah, well, that's fine. I, th I, I don't think there's any other games. Anybody else think yeah, of anything else? Yeah, cleaned it out on games. Yeah. So, yeah. there you go, Bobby Watson. I think that should give you a ton of uh, different options to go through. 3DS yeah, this is love. practically a podcast on it just by this one question. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so our next question is from Lowell Whoops, who at this point is makes up almost the entirety of the Q&A Quest backlog of questions. Which is huge, by the way. Yes. Uh, the question is, what is the price sweet spot for picking up games you don't really know if you like or not? What about a game that you know is going to suck, but you want to play it for some reason? Uh, I guess let's just go around to each of us. Dave? It's five dollars. It's always five dollars. Like if I, I buy a lot of things that I know are not good by reasonable standards, but I think are funny. And once they hit five dollars, it's like okay, I can buy that and not feel guilty about it because five dollars is two hours of entertainment at it being bad, and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so I usually go for about a thousand yen or less for mine. No. But then again, I usually pick up long games anyway. Oh, nice. What is? Yeah. I, c I can never figure out the conversion rate. Do you know how much? Uh, about how much that is? Assume that it's one hundred one. Assume one hundred yen to the dollar. Okay. And, and even if it fluctuates a bit around that, it's usually returns to around that amount. So, if one thousand yen is about ten bucks. Gotcha. Yeah, just hack off two zeros and you've got the uh, English equivalent, or not English, American dollar equivalent. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. I apologize. Uh. So for me, the the sweet spot, um, I don't really know because I will literally buy games on release I don't really know if I'll like or not for pretty terrible reasons. I think I've berated you for this on a number of occasions. Yes, this has happened on multiple occasions. I, I mean, any game that I, I'm planning on buying or thinking about buying, odds are I've already reported on it in Japandemonium, so I already know exactly what I'm getting into. <laughs> With one or two exceptions, I had a couple for the DS that were like, oh dear lords, either I messed up a translation on the reporting or they didn't report it accurately to begin with. This game's awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I demand names. Names of names. As far, no use. As, oh. That was an awful game. Don't buy it. What game is that? It was a DS game from 2008. It's on my review blog, if you if you look it up sometime, it just was not very good. Uh, 
Uh, I actually I actually began the review with an apology to readers who might have gotten a different impression from my Japanimonium recording. <laughs> oh, that's oh. That, yeah, that's how disappointed I was. Okay. Uh, so yeah. But yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm that on the fence about it, I'll just wait until it's under a thousand. Alright. Uh, um, I've got a couple of games that are on the list as, okay, if I can find them under 2,000 yen, good. Yeah, I think as far as bad games that I pick up just for the heck of it, I'd probably go for like the $5 range too. Or, you know, be sent them for free as uh, one of the other mics on RP Gamer sent me Ephemeral Fantasia to play. Wow, thank you, wow. <laughs> yeah, we had a long discussion about that one. Yes. See, I played that when it was new. See the latest episode of RPG Backtrack. On the plus side, um, if a game has that bad a reputation in Japan, the price point is going to plummet really fast. <laughs> you can buy a I lot mean, of bad games. I mean, it, it, can, it can vary a lot, but for example, Final Fantasy XIII came out in December. By the next March, it was available for about... Thirteen dollars. Ouch. Toilets. I mean, the, yeah, the price rebounded like since then, but um, the price rebounded since then. But since approximately three million gamers all sold their co- dumped their copies on the used market back um, in February of that same year, there was some massive depreciation going on for a while. So yeah, I've heard that Japan gets really aggressive with used game pricing. Yes. So I'm just going to hazard a guess that. Final Fantasy Thirteen was as controversial a title there as it was here. A bit, yes. <laughs> Based on that, yeah. Wow. But one of the nice well, things I mean, about Japanese the, the sequel over sequel sales on it. Yeah. So um, one of the nice things about Japanese pricing, though, is that it's actually a pretty easy to get a basic idea of the game's quality <laughs> by price point because <laughs> if it maintains a four thousand yen price point ten years after it was released, somebody. <laughs> that game yeah wow <laughs> and it's and just look check it up a, a little bit and it's like okay this sounds like something i might like get it it reminds me of that japanese guy that has like a coffin shape shaped out of like uh hundred yen copies of bases loaded for the nes Famicom. <laughs> <laughs> worth every penny i'm sure worth every penny <laughs> <sighs> I believe for at least for a time was like the cheapest uh, Famicom card. It's also there were periods where you could get like essentially reams of copies of Wonder Momo for the Turbo Graphics. <laughs> <laughs> like they were they were still like sealed in the way that like you would seal them so that they were ready to go on the shelf. Hey, I mean, wow. What can I say? They actually did act. They actually did find the legendary. E.T. Graveyard in Arizona last year, right? Yeah, apparently there's more copies of Defender in that than there are E.T., which is the weirdest thing about it. Oh, I hadn't heard that part. That's strange. And and of course, I mean, there's similar situations in in America at times, like, um, back a couple of guys my sister knew in college, they convinced the local Walmart to just give them all of the free AOL CDs on the display. (laughs) (laughs) They filled an entire shopping cart with AOL CDs and packages. They had to have a Walmart employee inspect the entire cart just to make sure they weren't sneaking anything else out. And then they went back to the, they went back to their engineering school. They were at, they were part of the engineering school and they made a suit of armor. Out of <laughs> 
Oh, uh, my God. I think yes. that the other worst story I have about, like, just unwanted games was I'm trying to find what this game was, but it was like this weird game where you doused for gold with your psychic powers that did so poorly they tried donating it to schools. Wow. <laughs> wow. How old was this game? It was a, It was like an early to mid PS2 game, I want to say. Wow, okay. Never heard that one. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's something weird like Ingot 79 or something. I'll have to look into it, because I remember reading about this, and it was like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> uh, Alright, well, why don't we move on to our next question? Okay. That's actually the name of the game, Ingot 79. <laughs> oh, wow, I got it right! <laughs> Alright, why don't we move on to our next question, which will be mostly horribly depressing. This is going to be us sighing. Yes. Poor other people. Yeah. This is from False Logic, and the question is, why won't Square Enix release the 3DS version of Dragon Quest VII? Oh, yes. Because it's a huge, incredibly expensive localization. Because we had to get Bravely Default instead. Yeah, that's the reason, again, going back to the April Fool's article last year, that's the reason why Dragon Quest VII was the, the capstone on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I feel um, like, I guess I would have to ask to, and I would never get a straight answer even if I asked someone at Square about why this had happened, but I feel like the answer was they had a choice between devoting resources to localizing Dragon Quest or Bravely Default, and they went with Bravely Default. Wasn't that technically localized by Nintendo anyway? Beats me. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I know it was it, published, but that yeah. doesn't say whether yeah, it was I, like actually done by them. I, I suppose they could uh, technically use the original localization for Dragon Quest Seven, but they still have to make would, massive changes to it. Just yeah, exactly. Of the changes they they have to the do a lot of work, make better. Yeah. But at, but at least there's the there's a framework there that somebody can work around. Yeah, it's just. They don't seem that interested in it. No, and... It's just a shame, because like that looks like a really stark improvement on its predecessor. It's really nice looking. It's, <laughs> it's a gorgeous it's certainly game. Nothing, certainly not a way anyone had described Dragon Quest Seven in the past. Uh, I don't know if you've... Pl have you played this at all, Mike? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote the impression for the website. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've played a bit of this too, and which I... I actually bought the the guide for the original PS1 game, which is we're actually worked out pretty decently for trying to muddle my way through, but yeah, it's a I, I never even bothered game. the original PS game because it's like I don't have that much free time at home. <laughs> yeah, like, at least I did yeah. I, I did not at the time where I was e I even considered so, you know, I just don't have that much free time. Yeah, I think I put in like 30 hours to the original PS1 game and never reached the job system. Oh, there, there is a reason why I specified the exact amount of time it took me to get to the job system in my impression of the, DS, the 3DS game. Yeah. How, yeah. Long, how long did it take you? 19 hours, 20 minutes, or oh. something like that. Nine, it was less than 20 hours. Nice. That's and definitely I was a start level improvement. 17 or 18 when, when I did it, I think. <laughs> Nice. Well, maybe 18 or 19, because I think I remember an argument on GameFAQs about how it should be possible to manage it by level 16. <laughs> and some, this ended up in some random flame war of, of definitions and things like that. It was. I don't know how anybody could actually manage 
Yeah, but sure, why not? Um, <laughs> it ended as GameFAQs discussions often do. Yes. But yeah, and I then I finished, I actually beat the final boss before the 80-hour mark. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a stark improvement. With, with almost no, all, pretty much no grinding, uh, no going too out of my way, and not getting terribly lost. Thank you, Shard Radar. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was, I mean, yeah, I remember people moaning on GameFAQs before the game was released about um, how, oh, no, that was going to take all the fun out of the game. They're and, dumbing it down. What? <laughs> and I'm like, and all I can see is, well, first of all, you can turn the thing off. <laughs> you don't want it. If you want to get lost, you can go ahead. And second of all, I mean, some of these people were waxing rhapsodic about how interesting it was to go with the clues and everything. And I, from, I mean, again, I've never played this in English, but from what I heard, the clues were a little lacking in yeah. comprehensive. I mean, they didn't seem to be on the level of Dodongo dislikes smoke, but, or, um... Than that for comfort. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's not as bad as Legend of Zelda's little old man, but... No, uh, play the, radar, the radar system was a good idea, especially since, unless the thing is actually lying there on the ground, it will not pinpoint the exact location on the map, it'll just be to tell you that, hey, there's something in the area. You should look around. There's something around here. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just spending hour upon hours just wandering around trying to find those those dang things in the original version. But in the 3DS version, not knowing any Japanese and just having, like, I don't think I used much of a guide for the start. I made it through the beginning portion in, I think, under two hours. So. Not bad. Yeah. Of course, they also, they also cut a lot out of the beginning Oh, oh yeah. There. Yeah, because I remember the PS1 original has the infamous three-hour start to slime st uh, mark. Yeah. You know, it, I don't necessarily mind a game that takes that long to get to battles, but Dragon Quest Seven was kind of way too slow. Right? Yeah. The the beginning, the stuff you do in the beginning just wasn't interesting enough uh, to, to warrant... To justify all of the, that time being spent on it. Yeah. So this this version is just it's so nice. And it's 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 a shame, and just add this along with Seventh Dragon to the list of amazing games that will likely never be localized. Although at least we got a fan translation of Seventh Dragon. End of Saga Two. End of Saga Two and Saga Three. Oh, they finally did it for Saga Three. They they did, yeah. and then I think that I think that team actually like broke up and. I don't know if it's hard to That's find a shame, that patch. That's because they seemed to be going at it like they were killing cats. Yeah, but that that did get a patch. So. And, and of course, the next Saga game is going to be for Vita. Yeah. Which means I'll import it, and Me then too. hopefully they'll announce it in English, and then, yeah. Yeah, I'd import and it. And then the other, the other not Saga game is for 3DS, so haha, yay, fun. Yeah. I'm really hoping that one. I'm gets really looking forward to when 3DSs get cheap in Japan and I just bite the bullet and finally buy a Japanese one and buy all the import games of my dreams. Well, maybe they will now with the new 3DS out? No, that's still way too expensive, man. I got English games I can barely afford. <laughs> well, someday. Well, I can tell you this if I ever dis decide to get a Japanese new 3DS, I'll give you my I'll sell you my old one on it on the cheap at a heavily reduced rate. How yes. Hey, hey, it's got slimes on it. 
Oh man, slimes. Yeah. Well, I guess we should move on to the next question and away from this cesspool of depression. Let's move on to our next question, which uh, and again, law whoops. Law whoops. Let's just let's just dive into this because this is gonna be this is gonna be a thing. Okay, I'll I'll read this one off. All right. Games that rely on quote-unquote fan service seem to be coming to the West a lot more lately. Do you expect much quality from something that seems to be explicitly about a character's assets as opposed to story or gameplay being the selling points? Will possible will people skip over good RPGs because of their obvious and blatant sexualization of the characters? And can good RPGs exist in the f- fan service subcategory? If you want me to be glib, my... One, huh? Probably not. I'm going to answer that last one is probably not. From <laughs> no, no, probably not. Gonna... Yeah. It's, it's like, do I expect much? No. Will people be turned off by them? Yes, and I don't blame them. <laughs> Can good RPGs? Probably not. When like, they make these games for a specific demographic that does not necessarily care about the gameplay. It's like, it's, it's for a very specific subgroup of people, and it's it's like, it's... it's sort of the co- the classic like tactic for a lot of uh, very niche things niche things in Japan is that they're low budget things that have like a premium price point that gouge a very well measured group of people that like they have down to like the number of thousands of people that will purchase something of a very specific yeah. type there's a reason why the last five dozen game titles published for the PlayStation Portable were all adventure games <laughs> yeah, those are cheap to make. Yeah, <laughs> to make they had a dedicated audience. You could you could reasonably make ten thousand copies exact and sell them all for seventy dollars a piece. Yeah, like that, that's you know that's how anime DVDs sell in Japan as well. It's like they make oh, they ugh. they, <laughs> they make like DVD for fifty dollars. Oh my god! Two episodes of DVD, fifty dollars, like. Uh, sold to an audience of approximately 10,000 people. That is... I, know, I mean, this is even for the major series where they are expecting large sales. Yeah, it's just like... I mean, this is Naruto. This is One Piece. This is Dragon Ball Z. How many because, One Piece you know, DVDs would that be then? Dear Lord! They're at over a thousand so episodes, many... I believe, at this point. <laughs> there are so many episodes of that show. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's just... Naruto, yeah, Naruto like... had like a thousand episodes of filler at one point <laughs> oh man that was that was hilarious they did a year and a half solid of nothing but things that didn't happen wow yeah so yeah so yeah so we're talking about blatant fan service so let's let's go back to two 3ds rpgs that should have been mentioned earlier in the never coming to america part um <laughs> first one the first one's called toshin toshi which it translates into like city of the war god and it's be- it's um, basically an adapted port of Toshin Toshi Three for the PC, and the Toshin Toshi series are hentai games. Yeah, yeah, that happens a surprising, surprisingly often where oh, they'll just yeah. take a hentai game, scrub out the hentai, oh, yeah, and sell but, it anyway. Yeah, um, well, in most cases like um, Utawara Rimono or Fate Stay Night, the hentai sections are actually kind of minor to the entire game, and so they're easy to take out. For Toshin Toshi, the entire basis is that you have this grand tournament, and all of the you have all these warriors signing up for the grand tournament. But one of the requirements is that you have a lovely female companion who is part of the wagering. 
Wow, oh. that's gross oh, on like wow. 18 different levels. Uh, oh. So when you beat an opponent in the, the big arena battle after training... You're up winning the their anti-human chattel. Yes, you are winning their girlfriend for one night of anything you want. Wow. So... Oh my god. Yes. Gee, I wonder why that wasn't localized. That's well, like... it wasn't localized because the PC version was... I mean, it was seriously in the H level. The D um, 3DS game has taken out most of the extremely blatant sexuality parts and just made it more of a supposedly relationship sim where you can raise favor with the different ladies and get presents from them. Oh man, finally my successor to Tokimeki Memorial. <laughs> Wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. And I, it should be noted that this game, much like Criminal Girls and like another one I'm about to mention right after this, are some of the only only portable games I've ever seen with a CERO-D ranking. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, like... like. So, um, so like, CERO, that's the Japanese ranking system. Most... Um, I mean, you've got A, B, C, D, and Z. Z being only given to games with incredibly high... Um, like, I, Grand I think Theft one of the No More Heroes Grand games Theft ended up as a CERO-Z. Z. Um, most of the Z ratings I've seen have been been western imported games that have high levels of violence and criminal acts and plus most of the most of the zombie killing games yeah those, those tend to be disease every um like, um Sarah, zombies yeah but like um shin megami tensei 4 got a c yeah and that's the one that includes using children to as incubators to create demon food Mm. Oh, that this is a great game. that's the game with genocide with nuclear destruction that's the game where you where the halfway point bad ending allows you to terminate reality yeah that was an interesting ending yes. <laughs> and this is it's got a c that okay. got, yeah, that got an were, m here right more extreme than that yeah. didn't that get an yeah. m in the u.s um, yeah it did yeah. bravely fall Bravely Default got a C, I think mainly because the main character's little brother falls down a hole into nowhere at the very beginning. That's the only reason I can think of. Um, yeah, Metal Max 4 got a C rating. Um, Metal Max 4 got a C rating, among other things, for some interesting language at times, and the fact that even though it doesn't show anything, it really does not bother to hide the fact that several of the major characters are sexually active. So... Like you do. One, one of the characters is really a Casanova. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and even the, it doesn't even show anything, and you could probably gloss over a lot of it with a with a kind of a Final Fantasy II localization. Yeah. And so imagine what it takes to get a D rating for a 3DS game, and it's the usual answer is it's not it's not a D ranking, it's a double. Double D ranking. <laughs> because that's the only common thread any of these games have is that it's fan service. It's incredibly fan service. Um, the yeah, other game mentioning was um, um, So Many Amazonists. I, I keep calling it Starfrost Amazons because the actual title translation relies on some incredibly poetic Japanese term that my wife does not remember. She had to look it up for translation. But. <laughs> The kanji's the kanji translate as star and frost, and it's supposed to mean eternity. Uh, it sounds always, like the sort of I, thing you'd hear in a really old haiku. Yeah, it's actually it's haiku language. So, uh, um, so that's why I always translate it as star frost Amazons because I just think it sounds better. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's that's the one where you've got the inmates attempting to escape from a all female prison planet, and actually, it's an all female future society because who knows what happened to the guys. Um, Not important. So, <laughs> yeah. So all so you have all these really, really random um, alien races who all happen to look like nubile young teenage girls. Catered to your fetishes, young man. And much like Criminal Girls, this hat, this one features a punishment game oh. as part of the Oh, dear. So I played the I played the demo for this two years ago at TGS. It ended with the it ended with the punishment game. I'm like wrote down later in the impression I feel dirty. <laughs> oh. It yeah. wasn't just for being on a crowded show floor. Oh, it wasn't even that crowded that day. This was. Early, early in the morning on Friday. There, there were oh, crowds in that area. I still felt dirty. <laughs> and, um, and then, let's see, third game to mention here would probably be uh, Lord of Magna, which I believe has been, if not announced for U.S. release, then at least strongly hinted at. It has, from Exceed. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the and, things Exceed does to pay the bills. And that one is not nearly as fan service as the first two. Wow. wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's... I keep comparing it to 90s anime like um, Saber Marionette. Oh, man. There's because a blast it, for past. <laughs> yeah, because it is... I mean, you could take its basic premise and put it into one of those 90s RPGs, one of those 90s harem RPGs, and it would fit perfectly. Wow. So, um, I mean, so you, of course you have all the heroines dressed up in variations of maid uniforms for no real reason except the fact that the main character's best friend is kind of a skeevy perv who likes dressing girls up in maid uniforms. <laughs> a natural hobby for a young man. Seriously, everybody by the end of the game, everybody is just making snarky comments about this guy's sense, fashion sense and hobbies. Wow. Because he insists on his maid in heaven plan for helping the their business. Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the official subtitle of the uh, of the English version is Lord of Magna Maiden Heaven. Seriously? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Maiden Heaven is the, uh, okay. So the, the main character of, of Lord of Magna, um, he has inherited the local inn from his um, ancestors. Except nobody ever comes to this island. The, um, the people on the island actively discourage tourism, so why they ha even have an inn, nobody's really sure, but they have it out of tra tradition. And so the main character's best friend has hit upon this idea that they'll turn it into a maid cafe to actually get some business in. I do so, feel like that's a plan of limited success. Yeah. Oh, the, the thing is that um, the entire point of having the end there is um, the main character's ultimate ancestor many generations back was involved in the chain of events that created, or not created but um, resulted in the, all of the heroines of the game getting locked into stasis. And so he created, he built this inn as part of a promise to, have, to make sure that somebody would be waiting for these girls when they wake up. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Honestly, this is not nearly as fan service as the others. It just needs to be pointed out because it has all the main female characters in maid uniforms. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just different kind. But yeah, like not, dur the combat. not during combat, during the story sequences only. Okay. 
<laughs> but yeah, like like that's the the long and short of this is that these games are bad because they're and you know because they're low budget and like no one's really trying to make a great game out of these. They're trying to turn a profit by making use of very specifically calculated market metrics and analytics. And I don't really blame people for being skeezed out by them. Yeah. So, so I think my question would be, um, are games that aren't specifically fan service, but include it, are they becoming a problem? Is that something you can easily ignore in games? Um, That's all up to your personal best judgment. Because I see yeah. people starting to accuse Atlas of doing fan service stuff. Uh, obviously, we've got a ton of Neptunia games, which, while not primarily focused on that, always include something like that. Uh, Tom, Tom Pyle Hart's entire business model rotates around the word moe. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to argue that Compile Heart is not doing fan servicey stuff. That's true. Um, yeah, pretty now, much. I, I I'm pretty sure I'm unemployable because of all the stuff which pictures Wheels has sent to my Twitter feed. Yes, yes. I'm. I'm sorry. I've played two two of their games back to back. My brain may be a little bit addled. Also, that one time you played uh, Mugen Souls. No, 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 no more of that. Nope. Didn't happen. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I could say that. Like the the kind of sexy character designs have been part of game design for ages. It's just that in like in the last decade or so, more companies have been finding a what's right here a paradigm that is completely focused around the character design rather mm. than the game design mm. because they've determined that people will buy games based solely on character design. It, it's and sort of like the. Sort of like the and you can see, you can see all this like especially in the like the iOS market like a lot of the iOS games even the ones that Square Enix has made it's like some of the most ridiculously boobtastic stuff I've ever seen <laughs> and, and I and I've played I've played um, like uh, Endless Frontier one and two and Project oh, X and I've seen some ridiculously boobtastic stuff but those three games are actually fun to play. It, yeah, Even it's, with ridiculously boobtastic stuff. It, yeah, it's this. Okay, I'm, I'm echoing. I should stop talking. <laughs> oh, fan service. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's it's your own best judgment. Like these are sort of the ultimate expression of games that are created out of like a sense of how do we market in the most specific and direct manner possible and it's like they're they're pretty much doomed to breed themselves out of existence or at the very least continue to be a smaller and smaller niche in the market that will occasionally get served in the u.s because there's people they can sell them to here as well neptunia i was gonna say their their own fan base is gonna breed themselves out of existence because they won't oh <laughs> rip <laughs> ouch but yeah, it's not so, a self-perpetuating I mean, yeah, market. Yeah, I mean, I I have played some games that I would admit are incredibly fan servicey, but at the same time, were still really fun. Again, like some of the Endless Frontier games, and then there are others where it's just I tried, I really tried. I really, guys, Sadly, I really, they didn't. I really tried to enjoy Mugen Souls. Honest to God. But yeah, and like if you know if that's a if the sexy 
fan service nonsense is a deal breaker for you. I mean, that's your own best judgment. I'm not going to look down on someone for that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't like, like to take the opposite end of the aesthetic perspective. I don't like, say, Binding of Isaac because I think it's ugly as hell. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I'm not going to say you shouldn't be, like, put off by something just because you aesthetically can't stand it. No, like I, I just, I just reviewed uh, Hyper Devotion Noir. And that was a perfectly fine strategy RPG developed by Sting. Um, but if someone's gonna say I, I can't put up with like these this weird nonsenses in this game, then so be it. You know. That's a, that's a really good example because it's a game that's produced by a completely different development studio, but it's still tied to the aesthetic yep. set by Compile Heart, which means if you don't like the particular fan servicey style of the graphics, then you're going to be turned off, even though the game itself isn't necessarily yeah, a Sting game. Yeah. Poor, poor Sting. Or, um, or oh, the new Langrisser game. Oh, oh man, they're doing another Langrisser? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah it was announced oh. last month, and the guy who is doing the, the uh, character illustrations for this version is, I mean, yeah, a lot of manga artists will do pornographic stuff on the side. I've seen some interesting examples before. But this guy, this guy takes boob plate armor to a new lack of coverage. That's impressive. On some level, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So it's like my, my comment on one of the general, a character who is specifically listed as a general in this game. My comment is that obviously she really likes to lead from the front. <laughs> because that's that's part that the soldiers will be following. But um. Uh... As an upcoming example of fan service for the sake of fan service when they really don't need it. Yeah, and it's, you know, like, on some level it's difficult to say how much is that going to hurt the market. I guess they'll find out. Especially since it's one of those series that actually has a long and well-established history within its subgenre. Yeah, like, we'll I see mean, if that yeah. doesn't do them a disservice in the end. Yeah, because, I mean... The, the Langrisser series is still popular enough with a lot of the, the older gaming community in Japan that just the name by itself should be able to get a good good market share in. I mean, like, the, the way I reacted to when you mentioned it was, what, they're making a new Langrisser game? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, oh, man. And then the hammer oh, fell. Man. Yes. <sighs> I mean, well, for that matter, okay, so Legend of Legacy. One, one of the seven, one of the main characters in there is... In, Quite obviously, fan servicey. I mean, she's just she's a very buxom, very buxom alchemist, and she's just fun. Um, it's an interesting way of messing with the character models because the character models look like they should have come, like looked like they were adapted from something that Bravely Default could have done. Hmm. Except they actually managed to make everyone look unique, which That's is something important. that's a problem with that, with Bravely Default. Um, so, but yeah, so one of the characters in Legend of the Legacy is partially defined by the polygon count. <laughs> At the same time, she, she has some really fun lines, and or at least as many as anybody else does in this game. And um, So yeah, she's there, but the game is not defined by the fact that she is um, the alchemist babe. So. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, we've gone pretty far into this discussion, yeah. and now it's making me sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, just just need 
to keep everybody abreast of it. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, we're yes, on that oh, list. Keep everybody abreast of it, and on matters abroad. So. <laughs> next question. All right, let's just move right along to our next question. What do you think about RPG series that have split between original developers and trademark owners, i.e. Harvest Moon, Story of Seasons, Luminous Arc, Stella Grow? Do you expect more people to buy based on brand name or developer? Well, well I can give you a nice Japanese example right here. Sure. Oh, do tell. Metal Max. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Metal Max has been published under three different publishers so far. The first two games were, I can't remember who did it, but the second two were by success. And in fact, Metal Saga was developed by success with input from Createk. But Createk produced the second Metal Saga game for DS. Hmm. And then, then for whatever reason, Metal Max got, or not Metal Max, Createk got sold over to Katakawa, who just, who promptly put them on the track of making a much better game. Than anything that was eaten a lot of game companies recently, actually. Yeah. From software. So, so I'm I'll, all I'm going to say here is that um, it can work out very well. It just depends on what who holds what. For example, I really have no re- no idea why um, Success was not able to get the Metal Max trademark and had to go with Metal Saga. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it it got cleared up by the time Katakawa bought the company. So yay. But yeah. now. So, but now, just for fun, Success is producing a, an iOS game, Metal Saga, Ark of the Wastes. Hmm. I, have, I have no idea what's going to go on in this, but they have a little Shiba dog with a cannon, which, uh, I figured actually, great. which I figured was a trademark of Createk still, but I don't know. Weird. Okay. So well, if it is, they'll get sued into oblivion. <laughs> um. uh, as far as the Harvest Moon Story of Season things go i i think maybe people are more confused about it this one than i think because it's really only a split in america yeah story of seasons is harvest moon essentially uh something monogatari i forget what the japanese title is yes yeah it's just that name natsume in america owns the name harvest moon right so so that's kind of a different case in that you're still getting the original series from, I assume, the original developers. Or at least no less the original developers than the last one you bought that was called Harvest Moon. Right. So, yeah, you're kind of getting the same thing there, and then I guess now Natsume's going to produce their own Harvest Moons. Which are apparently Minecraft knockoffs. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what others? Um, okay, so, like, well, um, if we go really far in the past, we have Wolf Studio. Produced oh, Tales yeah. of and then there was a split, and so... Was Suddenly it they became Triace, and whatever became Tales Studio. Yep. And so, yeah, so you had them producing Star Ocean after that, while their, um, the company that they used to work for kept producing more Tales games that the original series creator was not happy with, because he yeah. loved his transition for the series. And guess which one is more successful now? Then again, that guy thought that Tales of Fantasia could work as a novel, and I'm not sure how that's possible. Uh, no, it, the game itself was based on his unsuccessful light novel called Tale Fantasia. Oh, oh that so, explains uh, it a little further. Okay. So one of one of his original beefs with the management over at Namco was that they changed the name from Tale Fantasia to Tales of Fantasia. 
You've bastardized and, my vision. And, <laughs> and they had to cut out a lot of the backstory stuff for Tales of Fantasia. Which, I hope so, because there wasn't much there. Oh, no, I mean, a lot of the stuff with the uh, the origins of the bad guy and why he, why he came to the world in the first place and everything. And a lot of that stuff gets crammed into Narakiri Dungeon. Huh. Narakiri Dungeon is all about the backstory for Tales of Fantasia. It's just nothing but douse and elves. So, yeah, if you ever if you ever want a more complete look at Tales of Fantasia, you play Narakiri Dungeon Cross. But I thought, I thought Tales of Symphonia was the backstory for Tales of Fantasia. It's a different backstory. <laughs> um, depends on which which part of the backstory we're talking about. Um, this, um, Tales... Oh, we're going way off topic. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but yeah, Narakiri Dungeon takes place like 200 years after Tales of Fantasia, but includes time travel, which it's already in this, that series. And it helps explain why um, the original conflict on the other planet that caused um, What's-His-Face, the big bad guy, to come to Fantasia's world to begin with. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, like, like this just, this happens every so often, and basically usually what, either ha what happens with the franchise that's had its developer leave is that it goes through a strange harrowing where it's figured out whether other people can recreate what kind of game it was before. And it happens, like, all the time... You know, say what? And they don't always have an idea of what the game made the game successful. Mm. Yeah. So, like, you'll, you know, you'll get... And usually if that happens, then the brand just dies. Like, yeah. if they or, can't figure yeah. out what was interesting about it, it just... It disappears. If it doesn't, who knows? Like... Or, hey, it, you, you might get a Shining Force Neo. Oh, let's not talk yeah, about... Yeah, let's, let's not. Shining Force, but... Like, or, you know, that... And, that or, or an... Uh, other weird situations, you get a Legend of Legacy that's more of a saga game than anything we know about, or than the last saga game was, Emperor but, Saga. Yeah, it's, yes. But it, it just keeps, you know, like, best case scenario, you get two interesting things out of it, because you get the developers yeah. making their new thing, and the people who have become stewards of the brand, who are now making interesting things with the old brand. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes you get the opposite of that, where the, what the developers wanted to move on to suck too. Uh, <laughs> Yes, there's always that possibility. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, for it's always going to be a case-by-case -case basis, and people will eventually usually end up clinging more to quality than established brands anyway, so. so. It's, it's an open question for really any of these titles that have been mentioned. I don't know anything about Luminous Arc or Stella Glow. Maybe they're good. Who knows? <laughs> Stella, Stella Glow could also be mentioned under the... Um, the uh, <laughs> the fan service question. <laughs> yes. Of course, so could Luminous Arc to an extent, but especially Stella Glow. So. <laughs> well, well, I remember seeing the title and thinking, did they make a sequel to Stella Deus for some <laughs> reason? Well, th those are Image Epoch games, right? Who gave us um, <laughs> a, a certain yes. a certain game about... Um, Didn't Image Epoch just die? Uh, that is an open question, I think. <laughs> it is missing in action. Yes. The entire company is. Yeah, I, I, they were sent to the hell dimension to be disciplined. But yeah, I will never be surprised by uh, anything fantasy service -y being in a game from the developers of Criminal Girls. Yeah. But well, yeah, what happened, you know. What happened to the group that that developed the uh, um, oh, Queen's Blade series? Speaking I of thought those were tabletop games primarily. Uh, no, the, the originals were um, adventure book. Uh, this kind of weird adventure book tabletop game hybrid, but they made two strategy games for the, P for the PlayStation Portable, 
Hmm. Let me look. Uh, which provided the Japan Demonian column with tons of fan service material for two separate years. <laughs> wow. Because, because this is one game series where you can actually measure the strength of many of the characters by, their, by how deep into the alphabet that their cup sizes go. Okay, so so I went to a wiki page for this series. Wikipedia claims those were made by Bamco. I went to a Wikipedia page for the series and was immediately presented with a content warning. <laughs> <You're> surprised, <laughs> should be. That sounds all right, yes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Queen's Blade, the second Queen's Blade game, Queen's Gate, um, was the one that had lots of different random um, cameo characters from other yeah, um, get, uh, from other franchises and it included this one character named Painkiller Kotone who is not from any game, not from any anime she was an original character made for um, in some of the uh, model circles um, like the guys in Japan who will just make their own characters for plastic models and according to the story the guy who made Kotone he had the quote unquote privilege of being asked to leave um, Comicette, or what was the, uh, one of the big otaku... Yeah, that's like the weird, like, otaku comic-selling thing. He, he was politely asked to take his wares and leave, because <laughs> uh, it was too risque. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> what? Well, in the case of Killer Kotone's figurine, it's because the, um, what about one of the few articles of clothing that you could actually say she was wearing was a sailing pack that just happened to fall right in a strategic spot between your legs. Good heavens. <laughs> oh my God. Well, okay. Yes. Moving back it to the original question. It can get worse. It can get worse. <laughs> Moving back to the original question before I have to contemplate okay, the concept again. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, developer diaspora that have worked out pretty well in my book in the past. On the western side, I think Halo 4 was a more interesting game than the last couple of Bungie Halo games. Uh, it was. It was, but Destiny is a lot better, so... There you you go. can talk about that later. In fact, okay. no, we're never going to talk about it again. Uh, oh. Uh, we'll talk about it at some point. Oh, yeah, Fallout yeah. got pretty interesting when it's developer split. On the western side... Uh, Way back in the day, well, not Western side, on the Eastern side, way back in the day, Super Robot Wars games were made by a company called Winkysoft that barely exists anymore, <laughs> but got brought in That's house it got to. Absorbed. Yeah, it got absorbed at some point, yeah. but like I think there was a, at least a brief period where it and Ban Presto were split companies, and Ban Presto brought at least some of the game in house, and those games were more interesting than the Ban than the Winkysoft games that immediately precede them. But yeah, that, that's not quite exactly the same, just because um, Bandai was organized quite differently than a lot of the Western or any of the other developers are talking about here. Yeah, I'm just so. I'm just saying like there's a lot of ways that this question can shake out, and they can all lead to yeah. different stories. Yeah, I th I think an interesting one here would be uh, Fallout New Vegas, where a lot of the original developers of the series rechristened themselves and essentially made their Fallout Three. Yeah, which. <laughs> It's very interesting. Yeah, it's really weird going back and looking at uh, Van Buren and seeing, oh, wow, just giant portions of this were repurposed and turned into New Vegas. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting thing in games. A lot of ways for things to go, and, you know, maybe, again, best case scenario, you get two interesting things instead of the one you already had. Mm -hmm. 
Worst case scenario, you don't buy either. For yeah, good reason. Yeah. Worst case scenario, Shining Force Neo. I'll think about what happened to Shining. <sighs> Come on, Sega and Camelot, make up, please. It's not happening. I know. Just let, let me dream. Alright, let's move on to our final question. Final one that isn't me trolling wheels anyway. Yes, yes we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll actually get to that one. Okay, what do you think would be the best way to include a summary of events in an RPG that you can use if you forget where you are in the game? Which uh, is something I actually have wanted in I games. suffered from this many times. Yeah. <laughs> so to- one, of, one of my very first RPGs that oh. I ever played had a very well done solution to this. Final um, Fantasy Legend 2. Uh, it had it had its own little notebook section on the menu that you could look through, and, and it had things listed by world and occasionally by major character. I forgot all up. about that. And yeah. it's one of the best event summaries I have seen in a game design ever, and it was for something made in 1991. Yeah. Yeah, another one that... Uh, one of the ones that stuck out to me was Tales of the Abyss has uh, the main character Luke's diary where he sort of keeps track of all of the events and just sort of like gets irritated at people in it and you know that was a good way of like you got a I, you got a good reminder of what the events were but it also sort of gave you a better insight into the character as well which was kind of and uh, another one that I really liked even though it wasn't nearly as useful from the actual information side Legend of Mana the oh, little you- cat's diaries you beat me to it <laughs> I because, was. I mean, just just some of the thing. I mean, first of all, all, the cactus's reactions to you telling him a story, and he always managed to put everything down into like three words or less. And then his diaries afterwards that you could read were just some of the funniest. I mean, non sequiturs or just it's amazing some of the lessons he took from these stories. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I mean, true, true story. I, I ended up playing this with a small audience of friends back in college, half of whom were taking Zen that semester. And so, <laughs> and we we were just like, okay, there are so many different one-liners in this game that you could reference in a Zen class. <laughs> like the cow, the cow is not here. He is in my mind. <laughs> Actual line of the game. Uh, the cactus has seen things. That game is that game is still severely underrated. Oh, even better! One, um, the uh, sen- the uh, background scenery designer from Legend of Mana worked on Legend of Legacy. Oh, okay. She was, I'm, she oh, just wanted yeah. staff members who came over. All right, I'm importing that game. I don't care if it <laughs> gets lo- localized. I have to have that game. <laughs> You'll it. I'll appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, basically, you know, there's a lot of ways you can take this that. Like, they can do more than just be like, oh, here's what happened. But they can also sort of enrich the world or give you a better understanding of the characters so that they're fun and also useful for people like me who will be playing a game for, like, 40 hours then spontaneously lose interest and come back to it six months later. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen a few games that I've kind of liked that did kind of like something you might see at the beginning of a TV show, like a flashback to the last episode. Which was kind of neat. Last time on Sonic Adventure. Disgaea. <laughs> oh, I remember the original Disgaea. Oh, yeah. They, yes. would the, they would do like the episode previews and recaps. And and all the episode previews were so ridiculous, up to and including the one about like the Flash Gordon knockoff character, and everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> the one that's not a lie. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's that's completely off the, off track. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's related. It's like you know, you can you can use that sort of device that you know other media use, like TV. That like, oh, we can't be certain that they remember what happened last time. Let's give them a quick refresher so that all those things sort of stumble back into place. Yeah. And at the same time, you can use it to be really ridiculous or to give the audience red herrings or real yeah. herrings. So, yeah. It's just, yeah, a, it's just yeah. another way to play with the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and, so, and when they're actually playing with the audience, it can be really fun. <laughs> the, the utility of these things, not always as good. No, but still, yeah, I, I appreciate I still, them. Uh, I'd still say Final Fantasy Legend 2 had one of the best systems like that that I have played in any RPG, and it was a Game Boy game. Yeah, you just don't. You just want to make sure that it's not so subcodified that it becomes like I can't even tell what any of this, how this relates. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You just got to keep things simple, and I think uh, a lot of games now are kind of including just like notebooks or logs and things like that. Uh, Updated my journal. Yeah, the thing they added to uh, Majora's Mask 3D was actually really nice. Well, the bomber's notebook always existed, but it's got a lot more utility. Yeah, uh, but yeah, note, notes are nice, just simple notes. And yeah, Final Fantasy Legend 2, uh, one of the best games ever in general, then that's just like a, a really nice feature. You know, especially for a, a handheld game that you might, you know, put down for a while and then maybe come back to when you're on a long trip or something. Uh, suddenly you got to remember, what was I even here for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the game I'm playing right now could really use something like that just to help me figure out wh where I'm going. <laughs> of course, actually, it could do better with better event flagging to get to the point where I know where I'm going. <laughs> so, so if I, yeah, I'll, I'll let you hear more about that when and if I actually finish this game. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, I'm playing uh, Xenoblade 3D right now, which uh, has a nice feature of just. I, this is probably an original game anyway, but it just gives you an arrow where you have to go to next for the next story thing, which is always nice. So if, if you forget what the heck you're supposed to be going, just follow that and you'll end up there. Yeah. Like, Xenoblade was always very good about keeping in mind the fact that because it was so huge, it really needed to give you as much convenience as it could. At the same time, the arrow to the next plot point is not always very... It's 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 an inelegant oh, solution much yeah, of the time. Sure. Yeah. Nino Kuni. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't like how they did that PlayStation Two version. The uh, DS uh, version did not do that. that. No? no. Yeah. You know, I've I've played it a little bit of the DS version, and it kind of seems like a more interesting game in general than the um, the PS3 well, version. I, I'm going to save a lot of this for the backtrack at the end of the month for Nino Kuni. Ah, okay. Um, enough to be said. Enough said that um, in the middle of the game, there's a whole lot of stuff that is taken out toward mm. the PlayStation version, and the stuff that they put back in is well, aside from the hilarious fairy stand-up comedy routine, not that big. Okay, so <sighs> level five, you're always finding ways to break my heart. Yep. Yep. But I guess that's about it for this question. Yeah, so why don't we just move on to your trolling question? Yeah, yeah. This was this was written right as we were both really starting into Bloodborne. Because <laughs> I cannot make any sense of what this question is. <laughs> Dear Wales, why are you so... I'm, I'm just going to translate this out of troll speak. Dear Wales, why are you so irritated you can't be a mage? 
because mages are awesome. <laughs> and mages made the original Dark Souls really easy, but were really cool in Dark Souls Tool too, because they didn't make it easier, but they had a lot more tool a lot more spells. A lot. And just really fun. Like I got yeah. to I got to the point in Dark Souls two, which I don't think I was ever able to do in the original, that I could just use spells. I didn't have to use a weapon. <laughs> it's gross. So how, um, how much would how much is would this be like Dragon's Dogma where I was a mage in that one and I had just great tons of fun pulling out the lightning whips and making the bandits fly through the air. <laughs> you cannot actually use magic for the majority of Bloodborne. Yeah. Darn it. But for Dark Souls 2, uh, it, it takes a bit, but you can get to the point where you just have some like ridiculous power. Lots of different varieties of magic missiles. I think there's like uh, some fireballs and whatnot. It's cool. Yeah, like... You know the uh, the name of the game for Bloodborne was really de-emphasizing the projectile game and forcing you to get in things space. So. Yep, Bloodborne really feels like a, in a lot of ways, a long lost Castlevania game. To be honest, uh, let's talk about Castle Kanehurst sometime. Is... Well, let's not say we did because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said sometime, and yes. not right now. <laughs> All right, so why don't we wrap things up? Um, Mike, you want to talk about anything you're working on for the website? Sounds like you got some possible review game coming up. Do you want to talk about that uh, at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have actually heard of this game or the series it's based off of, I will be very surprised. But it's called Boken O Beat Vandals vs. Busters. Hmm. I've heard the name, but nothing more. Well, it this particular DS game dates back to 2005. Oh wow! Yeah, it's Ten old year anniversary. Enough, yeah, it, it's it's old enough that when it was first published, its connective um, connectivity options with the previous Game Boy Advance game were a major selling point. Um, it's been a while. We're, yeah, we're, we're um, yeah. This is a game that really needs some sort of quest logging for the main events because the, the big story NPCs will tell you something one time. Oh. Awesome. They will not repeat themselves. They will go back to the standard, whatever their standard, um, um, just space um, wasting conversation is afterwards. And at this point, I'm still not quite sure how to get over to the other island in the scenario. Even though the monster, the monsters from the other island keep sending guys over to attack me. Um, The game itself is kind of like this turf war, where you have different sectors on, the, on these two islands that are kind of mirror images of each other mm. and different um, like different groupings of sec- different groupings of areas will have one with a it's called the seal the ceiling ring that control that determines who actually controls that area so I control all of the eastern island the, the monsters control all of the western island there are two zones that connect the two and I can't cross them for reasons that I don't know huh. <laughs> And I have killed the same two um, boss monster guys, I'd say about 40 t- times now. Wow. They just keep coming over. <laughs> that's, uh, that's some aggressive content recycling. Wow. I have, um, let's see, if I remember exactly when I started that section of the game, I've gained about 30 levels. Wow. <laughs> except, uh, except in this game, it's kind of odd. Um, you don't actually gain levels until you go back to the guild master in the main town to talk to him and find out exactly how many you gained 
And the levels themselves only determine what level of equipment that you can wear. You gain stats directly after battle. Mm -hmm. so, which is a lot better because you actually get a lot of immediate um, boosts from this. Um, uh. And the battle system itself is more like Star Ocean, the original Star Ocean. It's like it's somewhere between the original Star Ocean and some of those 3D field um, Tales games. Interesting. So I mean, it's not it's not bad to play. It's just kind of like, when am I going to get someone? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of done treading water basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So that's the main game I'm focusing on right now. I've also got Choco um, Chocobo and the Magic Picture Book, which is not a not an RPG. It's a collection of mini games. Is that the one they brought over here is like Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo's Tale? You know, it might be. Let me check. Or did that get a sequel? That yeah, that's also or something. Possible. Nope, that's the yeah. same game. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Developed by Hand, who I think later had some sort of uh, hand in <laughs> World Ends With You. Oh, and Fantasy Life, apparently. Interesting. Kingdom Hearts 3... 58 over 2. No, 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 no. I hate that game. And recoded. Recoded, which is not half bad. And stuff with fantasy life. Yeah, also at least one game that just never happened, Chocobo Racing 3D. My favorite uh, piece of information about that is when asked about why it had never happened, the develop the director of the original Chocobo's, uh, Chocobo Racing said, if I had been in charge, it would have come out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think that's it. Well, I got my Hyper Devotion Noir review up. I'm working on reviewing Xenoblade, which is... Uh, that game's good, but it's I, going to take you another month. Yep, probably. Uh, I finished Cross Treasures, or I finally put it down. I finished it. I, I never beat the final boss because of issues with multiplayer. Uh, awesome. The, the, the issue being that there was nobody to multiplay with, and due to choices I had made, I could not make any armor above level 40. Oh, that's... I, I could make level 60 weapons, or even 80 weapons if I had the materials, because I chose a weapons proficiency for smithing, but I couldn't make any armor strong enough to withstand the final boss. So it was understood I should have had a friend who specialized in armor so we could trade. Oh, that's obnoxious as all hell. <laughs> Especially since the rest, the first 45 floors of the dungeon were quite, well, not to say easy, but they were quite possible to Doable. do solo. I'm sorry, Pardon, did you say 45? The first, 45. I'm sorry, the first 45. It, it's a 50-floor dungeon. Oh my god. Ten, ten zones. Each zone of the dungeon is a completely different little world. Wow. So, like, five floors... Five floors of forest ruins with the pair of knights as the boss. Uh, five floors of a volcano with a dragon as the boss. Five floors of um, five floors of robot factory with a with a self-aware chibified version of the battleship Yamato as a boss. What? Exactly. Oh, plus um, every time you get to one of the multiples of five floors, you unlock a shortcut to that floor. So That's you can nice just play. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it was actually a very fun game, and I actually gave it a three point five, despite the fact that I was not able to properly finish it due to issues. I would have given it a four if I could have finished it. So. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. In 
in my concluding paragraph, it's like, okay, if you if you're interested in this game, it's got a really it's got like a non-existent kanji level. It's not that hard for importers. Buy two copies. Get a friend. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, I may have to pick that up then. Sounds interesting. If you try sending it to me, I will send you something horrible in return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plus it's it's local wireless only, so it has to be a friend. Uh, you lucked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just remember the last time you tried handing me off a game when we were at PAX, and you handed me the worst Prince of Persia game I've yet played, so thanks for that. I also... You're still friends with him. <laughs> Somehow. Fun fact, I that... Finish, I finished it on the plane ride home. I, I finished him... I finished it on the plane ride home and found that, like, all of the bosses have at least one incredibly obvious repeatable bug that will just break them. So, like, the first one, if you run to the left or right at all when it's still, like, starting its attack pattern, you'll glitch, and the game will think you're trapped in sand the entire time. <laughs> it was impressively incompetent. Also, fun fact, at that same PAX, I gave somebody a copy of Unlimited Saga. Note that the person he gave the copy of Unlimited Saga doesn't like RPGs. Yes. This is also <laughs> true. <laughs> he was... He, there's a reason that the, the first picture I have of him at PAX is just... Me and the other guy punching him in the face. <laughs> no, did not actually punch him in the face. Merely mimed it. <laughs> Too bad, because that would have been justified. Yeah, yeah, but I can't really <laughs> afford to have a larger criminal record. <laughs> Is he joking? You'll never know. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> alright. Um, that's it. Um... Thank you for listening. Send You can send questions to wheels at rpgamer.com. You can get me on Twitter at askwheels. Uh, Does Mike here have a Twitter that he wants people to know about? Or? Nope. I do not, okay. not tweet. I am not a twit. Sorry. Oh. Too bad. <laughs> I've got enough stuff online to try and keep up with. I do not need, need to add more. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> and That's fair. Can, I just try to make sure that people get the chance. Yes. You can hit up Dave on Twitter at fanboymaster. Yep, still. Uh, Some names never die. That's it. Um, you can still always send us questions in by MP3. No one has yet, but I will leave that offer out there. You will and feel regret the first time someone does. Probably. Because then but you'll have to start editing them in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all, folks. <laughs>